0: Some say the classics never go out of style. They do, they do. Somehow Phil, I never thought that we do too. This intro is a dedication to Not Bad Man, how about you? Rest in peace, May twenty second, twenty twenty three. This is the press conference podcast. We've got Phil here again. We've got a huge episode, as you can probably tell from the uh from the title, but uh we are so pumped. Who are you? I'm Dave. The host. The audience.
1: We're co hosts. Look at you, claiming host duties. Fucking this guy. Um, No, welcome to the pod for arguably our biggest and most exciting episode I think we've ever done.
0: Yeah. Like, I still can't believe it. And once it goes out. I can't believe it at all. Uh, This has been like a massive step for us and like. As you, if you're in the society you'd know that uh, we're pretty excited about this one and it's kind of relaunched the pod in a way after our little hiatus and and it's kind of set us on a given us the confidence to kind of do what we want to plan to do so uh, it's, it was this is an epic chat. Um, our guest was kind enough to give us two, two hours of his time and yeah we're eternally grateful.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it was just so fun. Uh, you're going to hear it in a second. Um, but yeah, big things coming. This is pretty big. <laughs> We've been saying it and we finally, because I think this conversation, we, we had attempted to book this, I reckon like three months ago yeah. or two months ago. It was a while ago, but it fin- we finally got there um, and it was great. I mean, it was worth the early morning for us yeah. and hopefully you guys enjoyed as well. Um, so I'll just kick into it and intro the guest. You call that Dave?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So as, uh, Dave mentioned, you would have seen in the pod thumbnail and title episode name, but today we do welcome the lead vocalist from Touche Amore and Hesitation Wounds, the host of the first ever podcast, which is a pod that, you know, Dave and I listen to quite a lot. Uh, and this person is also the owner of record label secret voice. So enjoy our chat with Jeremy Balm.
0: Jeremy, thanks for coming on. Um, it's been a pleasure. I kind of sent uh, that email in a little bit of hope, and um, both Phil and I were like giddy little schoolgirls when you are a <laughs>
2: <laughs> not, not, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm sad that it's been so long since I've been in Australia. We are so bummed that uh, our record cycle has not landed us over there. It sucks. We haven't been there in a long time. Well, that was, was the
0: talking point, wasn't it, Phil? Uh, not a talking point that you hadn't been so far, but we actually, uh, Phil used to live in Melbourne, and we both went to the last show by ourselves uh, yeah. when you two were Turnover back in 2017.
2: That was my favorite Australia tour, too, where, like, I, you know... I love being there and we love being there and the shows have, you know, we've had some really fun shows there, but it's a place that we've always, we feel personally that we've kind of struggled to like, kind of make a footprint there where like, as we've been there, I think it's four times now. And like that Mm -hmm. fourth time was finally the first time where we were like, Oh, like this is working now. Like it's, that was the first time where like, that was the most amount of people that had come out to the show and definitely turnover plays a role in that. No doubt. Um, but yeah, so it was like, if, so for that last one to be the one that we felt was the best and now it's been so long since we've come back, it's just like, you, we can't help but feel a little bit foolish. No,
0: it's fine. And uh, I kind of agree with you there because we, like I always think to myself, like people in our circles and our c- scene aren't really talking about you guys as much as Phil and I talk to each other about you guys yeah. and, <laughs> and stuff like that. So we're really like, flying the flag for you over here for sure. and yeah, appreciate it.
2: Appreciate it's going that. to be
0: incredible when you come back. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Hopefully, you know, I'd love to do it before our next record, whenever that happens, you know, like my goal would be for it to be, you know, by the end of this year, but there just hasn't been any talk about it happening. So I need to bug the powers that be about it. <laughs> yeah, We're just so far a,
0: away as well. <laughs> yeah. It's a pricey yeah. endeavor for like six to maybe eight shows. For, it's a long way to come.
2: It, it, I mean, that's true. And, uh, you know, it's gotta be, it's really fun. I don't know if either of you have been to the States at all, but I mean, to, to fly like 20 hours to land in a place that feels like California is really jarring for your brain. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's so you like, actually leave or did the plane just turn yeah, halfway
2: <laughs> Yeah. I was like, I, we, I was like, I feel like I just sat in the spot, opened the door. And now everyone just like talks differently than me, but it feels the, like yeah. the same fucking place. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um that's yeah. so cool um so usually we kind of start these mixtapes off with with some questions uh like just a bit of music history so uh phil and i are fairly like familiar with with uh, with with you and your your background because we've listened to the the pod and especially the 100th episode which was awesome and um so we'll, we'll start with uh how did you get into music so was there someone around that kind of influenced you in that in that respect
2: I think it was kind of just natural. Like, my, I grew up with, uh, my folks were divorced, uh, when I was basically non existent yet. So, like, I grew up with just a single mom and, um, she was never very, you know she didn't play any music or anything like that like and the music that she was interested in was like country music and basically like Elvis which are like things as (laughs) to a kid is no thank you um (laughs) at least for me so you know there wasn't any sort of influence like that coming in but I'm a you know I'm a latch I was a definition latchkey kid and MTV was kind of always around I was never really policed on like what I was listening to or watching or anything like that so I think I just kind of had an early love for the radio you know just like the local radio here in LA um where you know at the time we had some really brilliant stations that played pretty eclectic music so um I think I was just you know came into that uh interest pretty early on um loved yeah. like you know a lot of pop stuff as a young young kid uh Michael Jackson stuff like that a lot of like uh 80s R&B I was like, interested in that stuff and then um, I think it was like the early 90s and the grunge stuff happening is where I f- like fully fell in love with music, you know? And like yeah. 1991 specifically, it was like the first year that I was like actively needing to get cassette tapes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I think I like, feel
1: that for sure. Yeah. yeah I, I think that. Dave, you're quite similar with, I guess, that kind of era as well, with when you got into what you're into as well.
0: Yeah, I had a similar thing, like, really into pop. And then I think Nimrod came out and we did something in, like, primary school where we sang along to um, Hitchin' a Ride for, like, a school project. And uh-huh. then, like, uh, Americana by Offspring came out. And then um, a, uh, my cousin made me, like, a mixtape of a, a warp Tour soundtrack that for the Australian tour. And that had, like, Blink and uh, Pennywise... Pennywise doing cover of um, Black Flag's "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme" on it, mm. and that that just kind of kicked me off into into that era, and Pop was, Pop was dead to me. Then I think,
2: <laughs> you know, it's funny. There's a it's it's interesting. There's like a handful of bands that sort of transcend a few different, you know, like d- like different eras in people's lives. Whereas like Green Day's Dookie, that was when I was younger. You know, I, I I'm older than you guys, but like. With like Green Day's Dookie or uh, Offspring Smash, you know, like those were records that when I was a kid were like instant entry points. And it's funny that it's like you fast forward five or six years and then that's like, that's your guys' intri- entry point or yeah. your entry point as well. You know, it's interesting how that works. See, I mean, I feel like Corn is like that for people too. Like I love, as soon as Corn came out, I was, like, obsessed with them immediately with that first record. But then, like, a few years later, they have Follow the Leader, which, like, is their biggest record, you know? it's And then there's, like, a whole new generation of kids who get into them. It's just interesting how that stuff works with, like, a handful of bands. Yeah, there's not many that do that. No, there's really not.
1: And I think Korn especially, uh, because then, again, I'm a little bit younger than Dave as well. So I'm probably more in that Linkin Park era. They got into kind of that whole new metal side of things. But I feel like listening to your pod as well, Jeremy, I feel like there was a minute there where nearly every second guest talked about corn as an influence. And I think I just didn't register how big of an influence they were to so many different like people in different walks of life. And I think it's just it's just wild.
2: Yeah, no, totally. I mean it's funny, yeah. It's like you have Matt from Portrayal of Guilt, who like is the biggest corn fan. You got like yeah. members of members of Chat Pile, huge corn th- fans. You know, it's like I feel like it's not it w- it's interesting how new metal, especially in these last you know, probably seven or eight years, uh, went from being this like really taboo thing to be ashamed of ever having in yeah. your, in your wheelhouse <laughs> to now people, you know, spending $400 on a coal chamber shirt from 1998, you know, yeah. <laughs> Just wow, like what are insane. we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny.
1: Um, I'll be keen to know, cause you were talking about, you know, the scene in LA, like buying cassettes and things like that. Do you remember like thinking back then, what was the first cassette you bought, um, or really physical media in general. Like, what do you remember what you like? were buying back in the day?
2: Oh. So, I mean, I definitely had, like, because I, I ask a similar question on my show some now and again. Mm. And it's like, it's tough for me to answer it because there's the cassette tapes that I know I begged my mom to buy or my dad when he visited on Wednesdays. Um, so, like, you know, there's there's of course the Michael Jacksons and things like that, but I think early ones that I can remember would be. I remember specifically like Guns and Roses use your illusion two, Nirvana mm-hmm. obviously never mind and Pearl Jam ten, um, those are like specific and and the Black Album from Metallica. I feel like all of those were pretty, pretty specific for uh yeah. <laughs> f- for like my constant rotation as a kid you know so it was just like a very like hard rock sort of interest you know yeah. um there's yelly vocals like in all of those things whether it's like axel rose shrieking or you know eddie vetter mm-hmm. doing the jaw rock thing whatever it is it's like it's it all had like that element to it yeah. and i think that's what i was drawn to pretty quickly
0: so when did your love of vinyl kick in? Was it when you were a kid or was it when you became a little bit older?
2: So there was always a turntable in our living room and my mom always had her, all her records like on the sides of it, but I never found myself like digging through it because I knew it was like 95% country music, right? So like, I just like, it, it just, to me, it just felt like a part of the furniture um, and yeah but my the first record that i got so um there's sorry i apologize for how much like there's like the the mom aspect of this but like she wrote to immortal records which was the label it was it was like a subsidiary i believe of sony but immortal records had corn it had incubus it had far and it had this band called the urge um Mm -hmm. but there was this compilation Actually, show it to you. Um record right here, I think. Ugh. I could show you my first record. And I know this is not fun for the listener at home because they can't <laughs> I see, see this. Um her eye. So she ba- so what I'm getting at is she basically wrote to immortal records and was like, hey, my son is a huge fan of the band Far, because they were like my favorite band. And and she was like, you know, there's no, on, you know, this is like before online stores or anything like that. So she basically like wrote them a letter and was like, my son is a huge fan of the band Far. Um, is there any way I can buy a t-shirt for him or something like that? And mm-hmm. so sweet, the people at Immortal Records just randomly sent my mom this care package to give to me, which featured oh, wow. a Far shirt. Um I believe like a promo, maybe like one of those glossy photo things, um, some stickers, and then two seven inches, and one of them was a far incubus split. I'm not grabbing that because that's way over there. But this <laughs> is the comp. This is the comp specifically that I remember. It looks like this. It's hideous artwork. That's so cool. It's 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 like this weird. Look at that. Uh, it's like a yin yang with a robot baby and a normal baby. Uh, yeah. But it has uh, the urge, as I mentioned. It has corn. Shoots and Ladders, a country remix that nobody asked for. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> far, uh, far the song in the aisle yelling, and Incubus's Shaft, which I believe is from um, Science. Uh, and it's like hand numbered, which is oh, pretty man. cool. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. So like, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I have not opened the 7-inch in probably 15 years. But yeah, it's on yeah. green vinyl.
3: So, oh, that's so cool.
2: I just, you know, I got this in this care package, and I never thought about vinyl in any capacity. So, all of a sudden, it has this, like, kind of, you know, to a 13-year-old, this artwork is sick. So, like, (laughs) I'm, I'm, like, so I put it on her turntable. She teaches me how to put it on the turntable, and I'm just, like, instantly excited about it. And it wasn't for maybe, like, two more years that I started kind of, like, actively looking out for certain mm-hmm. records or and things like that you know uh i recently just had sean lopez the guitar player of far on my show and um we talked about his first band which is called inner strength which was victory records number one and yeah. he sang oh. in this band uh and it was like a just like a kind of they were like a super, they're teenagers out of sacramento like hardcore band it's not great but it's like it's you know it's youthful or whatever um so like that was the third seven inch that i got because i found that because i was such a massive far fan that i was like oh well the singer was in this other thing and so yeah it was so that that's like the trajectory of like how i got into it
0: oh that's really cool Love that. that is
1: a really good story i think (laughs) that's a great story i haven't actually heard many stories like that that kick off with someone messaging a label and they just send them a bunch of stuff and that's kind of how it goes like that's that's, a nice mom to send
0: that letter through as well it's really thoughtful Mm -hmm.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I wish I still had that shirt. I mean, it fit me like just trash because I was like, I, I, I didn't. I don't think I, I don't think I had a growth spurt until I was like 22. So I was like, you know, I probably weighed 95 pounds, and it was like an XL that was. <laughs> it was a white XL that just had the far water and solutions album cover, but it was like yeah. like this, big, this the yeah. tiniest little thing. Um, so it just looked like I was swimming in this thing. So, you know, I'm sure it would look better now if that was in my life. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, that's so good. And then obviously, I mean, I'm just curious because like I've spoke, I've, we're, we're both into into collecting vinyl and um, have for, for a number of years now. How have you found collecting vinyl back then to now? Because I feel like it's changed a whole lot. And obviously you, you have your, your own label that you're, you're pressing stuff as well. So how have you found that whole landscape has shifted over the last, yeah, however long?
2: Oh, man, (laughs) Um, that's a loaded question. I'm sorry. A loaded question. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's uh, I'll I'll keep my rant uh, to a level where I'm not going to just get red in the face mad about how the world is. But like, um, you know, there's pros and cons to it. If I wanted to be positive about it, I can say I love that there has been a growing interest over the years to physical media. You know, I think that's fantastic. Um, I don't have a lot of s- positive things to say about streaming other than it's just nice to have something be so accessible when you're driving. That's, like, my relationship to it. It's like, oh, hmm. I can't play records in my car, so this is the fallback, I guess. Um, so, you know, for that, I apologize. I'm drinking a seltzer <laughs> <drinking a> <laughs> water, which I didn't consider the burp aspect, so I'm doing my best not to burp at it my and ruin fine. this Wednesday for everybody. Um, okay, so, uh, but, you know, not unlike cds you know it's the classic tale of major labels fuck everything up and big companies fuck everything up for everybody so like you know when downloading came into everybody's lives in the two th- in the early 2000s um major labels didn't know how to deal with that so they thought why don't we just make cds twice as expensive because we still Oof. need to make our bottom line um and kind of fucked up physical media just going forward like they didn't see the writing on the wall and said okay you know these things really only cost us half a penny to make maybe we should just make CDs 6 bucks so like yeah. it'll make people want to buy them still as opposed to download them but instead they were like at least here in the states they were like oh we should now go from having them be 13.99 to 19.99 and you're just like yeah. you're just toast and i was working at a record shop at the time and i just watched the whole all the shit fall through um so what i'm getting at is you know we've been doing that again now where it's like you know they completely congested all of the plants so all the indie labels have been suffering these last you know seven or eight years Mm -hmm. with delays and all of that sort of stuff so they fucked up the landscape there and then they really have come in and completely fucked up the landscape in ties with record store day to where you know they clog up the the pipeline for everybody uh getting trying to get stuff made and then it's like record store day comes around and you're like why is there like a seventy like a or not? That's an exaggeration. Why is there like a thirty five dollar like Bob Dylan record on color vinyl that like anyone could walk into a secondhand store and buy for six bucks? But it's like, yeah. why did we need this? So like, they've now made the cost of records so much more expensive. You know, like yeah. a big part, a big attraction to me when I first started collecting vinyl was like back in the day. Not to sound like I'm a hundred, but like. <laughs> Records were cheap. Vinyl was cheaper than CDs. They used yeah, to be fucking yeah. 10 bucks, you know? 7 inches were 3 or 4 bucks. Now, I mean, all my love to Spiritual Cramp is one of my favorite bands in the world. Um, they just put up a brand new 7-inch. They're on a new label, which is a basically like a major. The 7-inch is $15 pre-order. It's just yeah. like Se- a seven inch is fifteen dollars like that's where we're at now and i'm not yeah. gonna i would never blame the band for that that's not their fault that's just the way of the world and like mm. you know now it's like i if i uh if i go sell a bunch of records to a record store here like amoeba um it used to be like oh shit i got like a hundred dollars in store credit i can like buy a bunch of shit now it's like cool i can get three records <laughs> yeah you know it's like yeah it's just crazy how like the the list price of so many records now is is like 30 to 35 dollars and i i'm look and at the same time i'm not going to get any sympathy from you guys over in australia (laughs) because records are so fucking expensive over there i'm sure just like with the import the import fees to get us releases over there so i'm not looking for sympathy from you guys (laughs) but
0: we feel you though we feel you because i started collecting in 2011 yeah. So I kind of saw that happen. So like the RSD releases, were like I remember, I got the first two Amberlin records on the RSD for twenty two dollars, and then now you're paying like seventy minimum for like something that's ten thousand press. Like it doesn't. Yeah. make
2: sense it's and you know there uh, a big part of my sympathy goes to these mom and pop record shops that feel they have to participate in record store day to stay relevant and to get customers to come in. But they have to order a certain amount of volume of these like nonsensical releases to like even get the better ones that everybody's looking for. So then like Mm -hmm. after record store day, they're stuck with all of this stock of like trash releases that nobody wanted in the first place. And now they can't afford to buy other records because they're in debt to this company for having to order these. It's just like yeah. it's just a messy, messy landscape, and I just like it just breaks mm. my heart because the people who have always cared about this stuff, like the consu- like the the consumers, like us, and the bands that just want to make cool shit. It's like we're the ones that get kind of fucked in this process, you know, and. Mm the major labels are just going to wipe their hands of it and be like "On to the next thing. Like it doesn't matter to them, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you think based positive on history, conversation. Then, you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> do you think
1: based on history, then maybe it'll come to kind of like a, an, it'll kind of come to a, maybe everything just resets like within a few years, or do you think it'll just keep going up based on, I guess labels are unrelenting in a lot of ways <laughs> i feel like maybe it won't i
2: would absolutely love to be positive in this answer but no i think it's yeah. toast i think it's toast i think yeah. i think it's just too expensive to operate so even if major labels and whatever else like if if you know everybody's been screaming from the from the rooftops for years like amazon open up your own plant and fucking take all that business yeah. like leave pirates press and all these other places for us you know yeah. but like and I think Pirates has actually kind of abandoned that. And I think they do just strictly live, work with indies now. I, I don't quote me on that, but anyway, yeah. um, like what's in it for them? You know what I'm saying? Like the it's the true. vinyl wave seemingly has crested, right? Where because now it's at a part where like it's at a, it's at a point where like your average music fan can't afford to buy a forty dollar record every time they go to the record shop. You know, so yeah. I don't know. It's it's a mess. Uh, it breaks my heart. You know, I, I just try to, you know, my band and my label, we just try to keep our head down and, and be more thoughtful with quantities of ordering. You know, it used to be like, you know, there was like a one of one of the Touche records. I know one of the presses that Deathwish did was like 10,000 copies or something like that. And that stayed in press for a long time. Um, well, I don't think anyone would ever dream to press that many records now. You know what I'm saying? It's like that. It's yeah. such a gamble. So. So now it's like when any of our bands or anything does a repress, we keep it to like fifteen hundred or two thousand. Um, mm. because those are gonna last a long time, you know, because yeah. it's consuming the the consuming aspect of it is has gone down so much.
1: Yeah. No, it's a good combo. <laughs> it's a good way to start, I guess, over here at seven thirty and <laughs> <laughs> good way to start the day. But um no, I was just always curious because yeah, it's um I mean, we definitely feel the pinch over here as well. And especially I feel like a lot of labels and a lot of bands are like not jumping on the bandwagon a bit because I feel like every record that you love growing up is being repressed or pressed for the first time. So it's really cool in that regard that we get to own this stuff. But yeah, it's just, um, obviously you've been collecting a lot longer. So it's always good to talk about it.
2: Yeah, you know, it's been a minute since there's been a record that has been pressed that has never been available on vinyl, and I. But those situations do get me super excited. There's like still like a handful of records that I'm always just like, someone do this finally, please, Will someone please press this on vinyl. Like, how is this never on vinyl? Um, do you guys have any that come to mind for you? I know it's probably a hard cool. question to have off the top of your head, but is there anything that like you wish was on vinyl that isn't?
0: Most of my stuff's pretty covered, but I'm not sure if you can see Jeremy. I actually uh, on my camera on the side there, that one just behind me is a a local Australian band called Kiss JC, and they were like on my list for twenty years, and I reached out to the band and actually got a label to to do that run. So it was like,
4: oh,
2: that's pretty
0: special moment. But I think. Yeah, there's not many left that I I want. It's uh my collection's pretty full at the moment. Yeah. I can't yeah.
2: <laughs> there's like it's just like for me it's a lot of stuff from the mid 2000s in the era when vinyl wasn't being mm. pressed. That like mm. especially stuff that was maybe on a major label or something. So um I don't do either of you have you either of you ever been to the been into the band Failure, the like 90s kind of alt band Failure? If not it's okay. Oh, yeah.
1: I've heard of them, Anyways. but I've never
2: actually listened. Yeah. Uh, so the singer, Ken Andrews, who's like a pro- producer legend at the same time, like he's, he's done some Paramore stuff, for example. Okay. Um, yeah, nice. But uh, he had a band after failure called Year of the Rabbit, which just was like a one and done on a major label. Wasn't a success. You know, like it just mm-hmm. kind of happened. But the record is fucking great and it's like how is i you know some like i want some small label to just like pay for the license to get that made but like it's such a yeah. niche sort of thing so like that's an example of like oh man like that would be a cool one to you know finally get on vinyl yeah
1: yeah well i guess <laughs> i can't think of anything i want on vinyl really that badly i think that one that dave mentioned was one that was on a lot of people's list here in australia and i think that's been pretty wild to see that happen so hopefully the rest of their stuff or the next record
0: the middle record has a big press, so hopefully next. But,
2: yeah, wild. Right on. Yeah.
0: So while we're talking about vinyl, I want to talk about the the Balladeers Redefined compilation because... Oh, awesome. It's come for, like, a, a perfect time for me. <clears throat> I've spent, like, the last two years in a Screamo deep dive, and, like, I'm just so excited to to get my hands on a copy of this because it's... um. It's got every band that I love on it,
2: basically. (laughs) It's so, you know, it's funny because there's like, yeah, it's 31 bands. I don't recommend anyone ever doing this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So much orchestrating. Um, And this thing took like two and a half years. It literally started. uh, Hayden from the band For Your Health, I think, posted a screenshot of the first email I sent them about it which was like i think february 2021 or something um so but it's like you know once this thing was in the works all of a sudden i'm learning about other bands that i'm like i wish they were a part of this you know Mm -hmm. like uh i believe they're australian blind girls Yep. right Uh, yeah Yeah,
1: they've just been over there recently right yeah so i'm like
2: yeah, it's, it's and there's no bands on the comp from Australia. There, you know, I tried to do my best to have a lot from different parts of the world. Um mm. but uh but yeah, I didn't unfor- I unfortunately didn't get any Australia bands. So like, you know, as time went on, I was like, "Oh man, I wish this band was on there. I wish this band was on there." We'll see if I'll do a volume 2. Something tells me I won't, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it was It's very fulfilling to know that it now exists. I actually can show it to you because I have one right here. Oh,
1: Oh, sweet.
2: This is a situation where, like, we actually, they exist before we put up the pre-order. So, we don't have to worry about delays and stuff. But, like.
1: Oh, look at that. That's so good. That's awesome.
2: And, like, uh, I don't think I've publicly shown any of this i don't think no we've only just shown the mock-ups but what's cool is the inside comes with a zine basically oh, the zine. that nice. is cool. all of the all of the lyrics and and all of that sort yeah. of stuff with all the different band names uh, in I like it. that. but yeah I'm uh like <laughs> yeah uh, so yeah it looks like that oh, whatever.
1: yeah that's sweet
2: but yeah. i'm super amped the the vinyl colors look very very good uh which was something nice like all of those mock-ups that are online were actually based off the photos of them so it's like you know there's times you see a mock-up and then you get it you're like well that doesn't look anything like the (laughs) mock-up um it's like the
0: biggest deck. thing on the internet, isn't it? Oh, yeah. wow. oh that's, that's nice. Like a, that's like the mock. Yeah. The,
2: this one. Um, that's really cool. But yeah, I'm excited for this thing to finally come out. I mean, there's so many incredible songs on it. But like also with funny screamo stuff, I won't, I won't say who. It could be up to the people to figure it out. But there's like the situation where it's like, oh, yeah, we recorded that song, but, like, these people aren't in the band anymore. Or, like, oh, you oh, know, yeah. it's just, like, songs that have just been around for so, you know, they recorded these years ago, and all of a sudden it's just like, oh, yeah, uh we might end up re-recording this song for later down the line because we actually have different guitar players now or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're just like, oh, god yeah. damn it. Um, but, yeah, so all it of the songs... Nice on time capsule. Yeah, exactly. All the songs on it are exclusive to this and are unreleased, at least at the time. So... Um, there's some really fucking sick, sick songs on it that I'm excited for people to hear. I think the next drop, uh, single drop, is going to be on the 30th of this month. We're going to do th- mm. three more songs off of it. So. Nice.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
1: Well, that first, was it, is it just the three that are out at the moment? The ones that you played? It's only three right now. Last yeah, it's week,
2: uh, yeah. The Frail Body song, the Record Setter song, and the uh, am. MIT, MIT.
1: I think it's. I'm MIT. glad you said that. Yeah. I really like that track, but I still don't know how to say the name. Yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> it's funny. I put I played them on the radio hour this last week, and I purposely went. I googled uh, how to say that word, and then I, yeah. then I like, made, I like played it, and then recorded myself saying it just so I got it exactly right. But uh, right now, in this moment, I think I'm saying it wrong. I think. It, yeah, but uh, right. they're from Rhode Island. But they're not French, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's cool. Well, I nice. guess um, moving forward from physical media, I'd be keen to know as well, just to go back, obviously, collecting cassettes back in the day, what was, um, I guess, your your childhood, you know, adolescence, going kind to of gigs, what was that like um, in your kind of influencing, you know, starting, uh, being in the uh,
2: <laughs> adult life? So a lot of my early high school I was going to a lot of local new metal concerts. That was yes, my right. that was my thing. Where um here in Los Angeles, there was a there's a venue still very active, very famous venue called the Troubadour. And mm-hmm. on Monday nights they would have these uh shows that were basically if you were under 21 they were $5, if you were over 21 they were free. Mm-hmm. And they were basically like industry showcases of like new metal bands, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I saw a lot of bands that went on to be very famous bands, and then I saw a lot of bands that did not, and, um, (laughs) I had, you know, I ended up selling a lot of them just at a time when Touche needed a tour, and I was broke as hell, um, so unfortunately, I don't have a lot of the cassettes anymore, but I did have this whole, like, huge case of all of the demos from these bands, um, you know, some notable ones would be, like, Linkin Park, when they were called Hybrid Theory, like, they were- I saw them so many oh, times wow. as 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 a local. Uh, System of a Down, Static X, when they were just called Static. Um, oh my God! Uh, Papa Roach, Alien Ant Farm. Um, fuck, who else? Uh, seriously, so many bands. Uh, there's, a, I don't even remember a band called Audio Vent. They used to be called Vent. I think Audio Vent is Brandon Boyd from Incubus's brother. Um, oh. His band. There was a band called Adema. Remember Adema? That's like Jonathan Davis's stepbrother's oh, I've heard, band. I've heard yeah, the name. Yeah, so it was. Uh, it was a, just so much of that. But I mean, like I said, I could also I could run you the longest list of bands that like did not make it. It's funny. I actually have a a text group chat with like three of my other friends from going to shows together back when. One of them yeah. is uh, Sarah, who sings in the band Youth Code. If you're familiar with Youth Code, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Her, her and I were always would be rolling to those shows together as teenagers. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, we. W- I had her on my podcast, and we basically spent most of the, I think the conversation <laughs> talking about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, but then you know there was bands that were obviously successful already at that time too. So like you know we were seeing oh what's a spine shank or uh, fuck who are some man but like then you know seeing like bands like fear factory and Soulfly yeah. and all of that sort of stuff or whatever but yeah it was a it was a time so that was like me going to shows my mom um was pretty since i'm the younger brother my brother ha- my older brother had to go through like you know not being able to go out and do stuff and then by the time it was my turn to go out, she just like let me do whatever i want so <laughs> You know, I would lie and say I did my homework and then, you know, I would go to these shows and then come back at one in the morning and have to wake up for school. And I, you know, was basically practically failing out of high school, but I somehow somehow made it out. So, yeah, yeah, Uh, that was that was basically my ninth and 10th and 11th grade was just like going out most nights of the week to these funny new metal shows.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) That
1: is really cool. I can't say my gig stories are that
0: interesting. Like, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> really? Um, bands in such small were there any, so were there on.
2: any, were there any local bands for you guys that ever, that, that like went on to be, uh, like household names that you saw when you were younger? Um,
0: so I went to a Parkway drive show that was like 20 people at oh, like wow, a, yeah. a basketball stadium yeah. in, in one of the local towns. So Phil feel did the, still the same yeah. thing, probably on the same tour yeah Yeah,
1: um, like youth centres that just had yeah, a bunch of people there on a Friday night. They'd be they'd be playing at seven seven PM. Not many people there. It was just uh Yeah, Parkway's probably the biggest one, I think.
0: Yeah, wow. they're more the ghost inside. and uh, they played a show in a um, in a small mechanics hall on like a random Thursday night or something like that and yeah, like absolutely blew up after that.
2: Man, it's so funny. Uh from being, you know, of a certain age, uh, and playing in, you know, uh, bad local hardcore bands or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, I've known vigil and also Jason Butler. Uh, the three of us have been playing shows together since like, God, since like 2001 or something like I've known, like, mm-hmm. so it, it was from, you know, though our bands don't sound fucking anything alike we've always maintained like a huge you know mutual respect for one another and we've always you know stayed acquaintances you know whenever we see each other Mm -hmm. it's always like a really nice hug and a nice catch-up or whatever but like i've just always been you know from the sidelines i've just been so stoked to see like both of those two guys do so well all these years you know yeah, yeah, it's uh,
0: it's so good to see, and especially their co- like the Ghost Inside's come back as well after the mm-hmm. the crash uh, a lot of people would come back from that.
2: Totally, God, what was uh, they used to be called a Dying Dream, right? I think yeah. they were called a yeah, Dying I Dream. Think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, That's I played played a lot of shows of the Dying Dream and <laughs> Let Live, who they always had that name. Let Live, yeah. like he ha- he held on to that name for ever. So it's just funny <laughs> that like yeah it's pretty sick
1: um and just like with gigs so i think um you're obviously going on a tour in a few weeks time um, over in europe but then this is this, these will be your first shows from well since your 15 year anniversary shows for two Shape?
2: correct yeah
1: yeah how were those two nights i mean they look pretty amazing from afar <laughs> how were they for you
2: I'm so sorry. You were you glitched a little bit. Can you repeat that question again? Uh, I'm sorry. Of course, I, of course, I did. It's okay. Um, no, I was
1: just saying. With your 15 year shows, obviously they look pretty incredible from afar. Um, what was it like for you to play those four records over two nights, you know, in full to a packed room? Um,
2: aside from being tiring, um, very <laughs> fulfilling because there was there's two records in particular that were the most satisfying, which were playing is survived by and then playing lament um Mm. it's survived by because that's a record that us as a band we sort of have the hardest relationship with um Mm. sort of famously don't play a lot of songs off of that record live um Mm. aside from like right after it came out so like i mean we're just running the running the set list for this upcoming tour and without even realizing it, I'm, there's only one song off of that record. So it's like, I'm still doing it, you know, <laughs> but, but, what, but when we played that, that record from start to finish, which was like the one we were most anxious about, um, to have people sing along to that record, uh, in a way that we've never experienced before, because we always sort of felt like the, like it just, uh, we, we always sort of felt like those songs did not work live in the sense of crowd participation. Um, mm-hmm. There's always, you know, it's very humbling to see and to hear a lot of people say like oh, that might be their favorite record or something, and it's like always such a nice feeling to hear someone say that. Um, but it's like hard not for us for us not to be like, well, where you been? Because when we play those songs, like it just goes over terribly. Like just no one sings along. Like we only like the only songs that we felt ever really worked off that record was just exist, um, harbor, and I think that's it. And yeah. so yeah it it always just felt like a lull in the set whenever we did a song off of it so to play that record and then have the audience react the way they did it was just like we just had smiles on our faces the whole time so that was really nice and then uh to get to play lament in the way that we always kind of envisioned the getting to do something like that like in the sense of instrumentation where like we played the song broadcast and we had like I played acoustic on it Nick was on steel guitar the whole time like it felt like a like it felt like a performance in a way of like a leveling up our band in a way that like we've never been able to do before so that was like extremely fulfilling um and also it's like we have such a love for that record and you know we put it out over the pandemic and it's like yeah. it's hard not to sort of um reflect on like what that what how that record could have been received if we were able to tour off of it immediately, but like having to take the time to not tour on it immediately. um, You know, I think now we're ready to consciously start working on new music, but um, you know, we like to feel like we've exhausted an album before we start writing again. Like we like to know that we've Mm -hmm. lived in that album, that we've experienced all the ins and outs of it, that we've learned from writing those songs. And it's hard to do that until you've played it live a ton of times. So it was nice to get to like play the deep cuts on that record. Mm. Um, whether the audience was like enthralled with it as much as we were. Uh they were I was <laughs> on, like honestly, not to be a defeatist, I was very much expecting a big walkout right before we start or like oh, halfway really? through that record, just because I was wow. like, you know, I get it. It's the new record. Like we're asking a lot for an audience to say, Hey, you want to hear us play our newest album from start to finish? <laughs> like so, and the fact but the fact that the audience did not from from what we could tell Nothing changed. Everybody stayed in the room. Um, that was a very, 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 very sweet, sweet feeling to have. So yeah, that's that's that was that's my that was my takeaway from that. Playing Parting in the sea was just like cake, like just super fun, <laughs> like <laughs> easy. It's like twenty minutes long, and you know we've you been playing so many of the songs. <laughs> yeah, it's like we've been playing, playing so many of the songs for so many years. Um, you know, there's only like one deep cut on that record that we don't play live, which is the song Crutch. So, like, to to play that and have the audience be cool, like, it was just, like, it was fun, you know? That's just, yeah, like, an easy yeah. task. Uh, playing stage four, you know, it's an emotionally exhausting experience playing, like, that entire record. Um, but we, you know, we play m- more than half that record live anyway. So that yeah. wasn't, like, a ton of rehearsing and nervousness getting into it. It was just like, oh, let's just kind of rip off the Band-Aid on this one and play the entire yeah. thing, you know? So... Yeah, had that was like an emotional, a little bit of an emotional roller coaster at points, but um, it was a satisfying two days. It was it was a really really cool experience to get to do that. Yeah, nice.
1: And I, and I, and I think just going back to lament, I think all those pandemic records. I think people just have such a different connection to those records because a lot of us had just time in our houses or in our apartments just with that record for a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I think the records that came out through the pandemic that I listened to a lot. I feel like, yeah, it's just a different kind of connection to those records and some other ones just because we're stuck inside listening to just that like on repeat a lot of times. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was the thing that, that we felt so
2: happy. Right. It, it, that's the thing that we were so moved by was the real, you know, when we decided to still release it because so many bands were obviously deciding to hold their record until mm. they didn't know. And um, I mean, we were. Originally, our record was supposed to come out the week after Every Time I Die's record, Radical, which they ended up holding off for two years. Two years, yeah. Yeah. So, Ooh. like at that, so when we found out, because we're, we were both on Epitaph, when we found out that they were going to shelve their record for the time, that mm. was our decision to put it out. Because we're like, we have an open playing field to just sort mm. of get as many eyes on this as possible. Um, epitaph a label who drops like who puts out like six albums a week so it's like Mm. if they're not (laughs) having to do a ton of stuff you know like they can actually focus on our record like this could be a positive but what we didn't expect was the amount of people that were just like happy that we were doing it in the sense of like they had felt they had something to look forward to was a Mm. really nice feeling you know and then that was like one of the better pre-orders we ever had because I think so many people were stuck indoors and just wanted that dopamine yeah. hit of buying something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah.
0: I'm
2: still and chasing been... that dopamine hit.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I remember waking up and, the, and the, the, the Australian pre-order went up and it was like 4.30 in the morning when the kids had woken up and I checked my phone and I was like, oh, shit. And I had to do it before I got to bed, went back to bed because like oh, that's the, awesome. those... Those records just fly, like especially those Australian pre-orders. They just disappear, so you got to grab them while you can. But um, I think, like, uh, I want to go back to where you said you want to exhaust an album, and I I kind of see bands grow through their album cycle. So you play lament and all these songs, and you kind of grow as a band. You develop new skills and, and kind of morph the songs into even like a live presence as well. So it really would have sucked to not have to 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 be able to to live that out because it really helps you guys develop into to kind of progressing into newer sounds as well, like I feel.
2: Yeah, you nailed it. That's exactly it. I'm blown away by the bands that were like wrote released a record in twenty twenty and then immediately just got writing on the next one. Yeah. And, you know, had it come out right as shows came back and it it, Mm. it's just for me personally like it just feels like such a loss because you're like no one got to fully experience this record it's something that i say a lot so i apologize but like i truly feel like a record has four lifetimes where it's like it has a lifetime of when you're writing it has a lifetime when you're recording it has a lifetime when you release it and then has a lifetime when you perform it it's four different things that happen in this record in this music's lifestyle in this uh, lifetime sorry um And each one of those experiences is 1000% different from like how it hits the listener to then how it is live. And then how you, you know, like what it feels like to play these songs in front of people. There's just, there could be songs on a record that you're like so fucking confident about that you're like, this shit bangs. And then you play Hmm. it live and you're like, this shit does not bang. (laughs) Like, it's just funny how that works. You know, you don't really know. And I remember Jake Bannon telling me once uh, when we were out with Converge that like, the reason he thinks that Jane Doe did as well as it did is because they were playing those songs live for a year before they recorded them. Yeah. Which is like, it's lived in, you know? Like, yeah. I don't know. Do either of you two play in bands or have you ever played in bands? No, no? we're musically okay. terrible. <laughs> so we <laughs> resorted it, to this. <laughs> most of us are. It's why we resort to this to this genre. Um, but no, it's... Uh, what I was going to say is like, it's funny when you, if you don't get to really play these songs live, but you record them. It's so funny as a vocalist where like, once you start playing them live a bunch, all of a sudden you're just like dropping lines in different, in a different place. It's like you, you realize like, fuck, I wish I would have just done this, you know, like, Mm, like you just start to settle into like new routines of how to deliver certain lyrics and things like that. Um, So it's like, you don't really get the opportunity to like make those decisions until later. So, I don't know, it's it's an interesting experience, but yeah, now that we have had the opportunity to play at least half this record live a ton of times, like, for the last, you know, since we started touring again, I feel like Come Heroin, Lament, Fane, Reminders, and Limelight, and Sometimes I'll Be Your Host, have been, like, pretty steady in our rotation, you know? Yeah. So, it's like, at least we've got to do those a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad cuz yeah the album's incredible like I Thank you. I love it and the demos like I could go back to back with them sometimes and just listen to them back to back.
2: There's days so where fun. I wish we stay we kept Lament the song Lament the way it was with like the the fast drum beat on the way out like mm-hmm. I really really liked that but Ross's idea Ross Robinson was the one who came up with like the double hi-hat like mm-hmm. kind of the less mm-hmm. energized version of it which everybody in the everybody kind of in the studio was like really behind but a part of me was just like i kind of want to keep it the same (laughs) so at least now there's the demo version that people can have and be out there or at least there's like the little piece of me that's like well i'm glad people get to hear this version of it um but it's fine i don't i'm not resentful about it it's fine (laughs) these things happen
1: i like the demos i think more bands should release demos like that i think um it's just so raw and it's yeah, it's a good feeling, especially when they came out, like we were still in a lockdown here in, in Sydney, um, and it just gave me that feeling of not seeing a band live because it's not quite like that, but it did feel a little less refined. It was a good listen. Um,
2: yeah, and you know, it's nice to sort of be able to to do something with something you spent a little money on, where we recorded, we literally recorded the entire record a week before we went in to record with Ross, with our buddy Alex Estrada, who uh, recorded to the beat of a dead horse and a ton of our other stuff he's he's kind of our pre-pro guy um but yeah it was like i was panicking because i felt like i didn't have all the lyrics in the places that i wanted it so i was like i'm so sorry guys we have to go record this entire record with alex before we go (laughs) in with ross and thankfully we were able to do it so that's what that's what you hear with those demos yeah
0: no it's it's awesome it's so good should we get into the playlist let's do it so, uh, do you want to tell us about the... Oh, actually, before we do that, um, Phil and I just want to kind of give our little history of of, of our history with Touche. Um, so, basically, I found Touche on vi- the Vinyl Collective Forum. Were you ever a part of that?
2: I have a username. Um, yeah. I <laughs> I don't post threads, but... If uh, if I ever felt like there was something like I've I've posted in the Touche thread a couple times to maybe answer a question that I see someone or if I want to promote something I'll be uh, I'll try to be tactful and do that but um, mm-hmm. I'm completely familiar with the board yes so that's
0: <laughs> where I bought probably thirty percent of my collection oh wow it. I bought heaps of stuff from there and um, someone was selling selling Party in the sea and. I was like, oh, I've never heard of this band. I looked looked it up. The cover grabbed me straight away, and then I put it on, and I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. I sent it to, like, 10 mates, and they were like, where did you find this band? I'm like, oh, just on this forum. Instantly bought the record of this person and then just just haven't stopped listening since, and obviously saw you guys in 2017. I missed you with Title Fight, which I'm pretty sad about. But, um, yeah, so eventually... Picked up all the records and just kind of followed you guys since, and um, and then doing deep dives and the connection with Jeff Rickley because I'm a hu- huge Thursday fan as well, and um, it's just been an incredible journey through like just connections to the records and and stuff like that at, at different times. But it's uh, I'd like to thank you for that because it's a kind of pushed me into back into music again. I was in a bit of a rut and it, it really kind of inspired me to, and then obviously from, from you guys, I found La Dispute and and like all those other friendships that you guys have. And it's just incredible to see how wide of a spread you guys have with, with lots of different people and bands.
2: That's very flattering. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, that, you know i have i have such deep memories about uh going to australia that first time with it was title fights first time too and we were Mm -hmm. young and dumb and didn't know what we were doing and uh had our passports threatened and all sorts of wild stuff happened so it was uh it was an experience but um that's that's incredibly flattering so i have i'm curious though when you when you bought the record was it from somebody in australia
0: no, it was someone from the US.
2: Ah, uh, so you had to pay the extra shipping. Wow, so I appreciate the dedication on that one. <laughs> well,
0: I'll tell you the truth. The dollar was—I was actually saving money.
2: Oh, really? So the,
0: yeah, the dollar was actually the reverse. So it was like one Australian dollar was a dollar ten or a dollar twenty US.
2: Yeah, and it was
0: cheaper for me to ship something from America than it was to ship something from like Sydney or inside Australia. At the oh, time. there awesome,
2: were a few good yeah. years awesome. when the doors was like that. <laughs> I've been trying to think for like the for most of this episode. What is the cool record store? Uh, Resist. Yes. Yeah. How are they doing? Is it still yeah. still open? Right. Okay. Good. Good. What are you for, doing?
0: Phil goes and picks me up some stuff all the time. You know for, every other week. Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So it's not too far from him. But um, okay. yeah, that that's going really well. So um, that's my go to for. They get Hell a lot yeah. of Triple B stuff in and Epitaph I, stuff in.
2: I bought a record off the wall there on the Turnover tour that was expensive. But I just was like, I'm here. I got to do this. Like, well, <laughs> I never seen it in front out of, print of me before, so I bought cool. it. It was the... Uh, yeah. It's a Heavens record. I don't know if you're familiar with Heavens. It's like Matt Skiba yeah. from Alkaline Trio's, like, mm-hmm. random side project band that he thought I think was like Joy Division, but it basically just sounds like Alkaline Trio but stripped down. <laughs> but okay. It's a cool record. It's called Patent Pending. And the the record is just literally it's like a just like a blank black jacket that mm-hmm. just has a sticker that says the band name on it and then it's hand numbered. It's like the most like no frills sort of sort of <laughs> deal. But I'd never seen it in person before and they had it on the wall at Resist and I was like, okay. I, yeah today's the day i'm swiping the credit card i don't give a shit <laughs>
0: you know oh that's awesome they've got a really good um yeah rare collectible Zarya. Yeah. so I, I think i grabbed reach the sky's second album when i was oh, cool. there last yeah and it was just in there uh snap first album and i'm just like i need this i need this i need this it was like um the uh, Boy Sets Fire, Coalesce,
2: 7-inch as well. Ooh, that I that's one of my goddamn favorite yeah. splits of all time. I, I, uh, yeah,
0: I was like, Jeremy can talks you, about this a lot. And can, I tell
2: you, it, can I tell you a funny story from it? I don't know if you've yeah. heard me tell this story. Uh, so when I was working at the record store, Boy Sets Fire was recording their major label record um, down the street from the record store I was working at. Mm-hmm. So Nathan, the singer, would come in all the time. I didn't realize who he was until like, a week or two in or whatever he would just kind of swing by um and then we got to talking one day and he ended up telling me he's a singer boy says fire uh so then i we basically just like i would take my lunch break with him almost every single day yeah. <laughs> and he would just tell me great stories or whatever and one day i was like yo i have to talk to you about the voice Se- or the voice that's fire coalesce split like that's one of my favorite splits in the entire world and he just looked down and he was like i hate that fucking thing and i said <laughs> yeah. i was like no why and he was like are you kidding me? That band took our songs and made them a million times better. <laughs> he was like, he was like, and us trying to trying to cover Coalesce is just a joke. Like that band is just way too powerful. So yeah, like the Coalesce cover of Vehicle is unbelievable. Yeah. Oh my god, it's one of the best covers of all time.
0: Well, I actually re- like just picked up the EP that Vehicles on, and I actually really like that stripped down demo, like the. The EP version, and then I heard the Coalesce version. And I'm like, oh my god, this is yeah.
2: incredible. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, the original version sounds like it was uh recorded with like you know one microphone, very very mm-hmm. thin recording of that original version. But then you hear Coalesce's yeah. cover, and it's like fucking massive sounding. It's so heavy and so big. I love yeah. it. I love it. And James Dewey singing the chorus is it works so well. It's a mm. it's a fucking killer cover.
0: Yeah, that's a great split. I've been yeah, kind of getting back into seven inches and splits just for the like the B sides and the covers and
2: stuff. God bless you. Seven <laughs> inches are just a fucking just feel so dead in the water. I I know.
0: nobody nobody wants them. Everyone's everyone's lazy now. I think
2: because there's they're as ex- expensive as LPs, yeah, you yeah. Be <laughs> and you get and you get <laughs> two true. songs. You know, it's like, (laughs) like, I'm not here to, I'm not here to blame anyone, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it's just like, of course they're not popular anymore, you know? Yeah.
0: There's an, an an Amity Affliction. I'm not sure if you, are you familiar with them? The Amity Affliction?
2: Uh, I know they exist and I think (laughs) Joe, Joe from Defeater plays drums in that band. Yeah. Maybe now. Yep. Yep. Okay.
0: Yep. Uh, So they have a seven, they have a seven inch that goes for like $300 and A retailer had them for ninety, and Phil and I. I'm like, that's forty five dollars a song. Yeah, (laughs) like (laughs) I don't know if I could justify that. And
2: um, no, I kind of hate
1: myself that we didn't get it because I I want it. But
2: (laughs) yeah, there's like a couple. I am trying. I don't want to really speculate too much on the most I've ever spent on a 7-inch, but it's probably more than I'd be willing to admit into a microphone. But <laughs> Yeah, that's fun. <fine>. Yeah, <laughs> it's just funny when you're like, wow. When you do the math like that, you're like, that's $150 a song. That's yeah. fucking stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling go too well. And hopefully, yeah. I, I won't say yeah. prices because my family will kill me, but...
2: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <sighs>
1: Well, do we want to kick off into the playlist?
2: Yeah, I'm in.
1: Cool. Well, um, yeah, this is a really cool theme. Do you want to talk us through kind of, yeah, the theme of the, the playlist and kind of how this came to be?
2: Yeah, I was, you know, you you pitched me on uh, submitting some songs and I think from doing the Radio Hour episodes on my thing, on my fucking podcast, like I'm so used to trying to come up with themes, especially for like the Patreon. Um So this one, I think is just kind of fun. And I think it's a relatable concept, which is songs that you did not know were covers until later in life. When maybe, I think it's always fun when all of a sudden you hear a song and you're just like, wait, what the fuck? This isn't like, (laughs) you have no idea. And then, you know, or maybe you like this one specific, you know, like I can't even imagine in the 90s, the amount of people, like metal, like or like new fourteen year old new metal fans that like didn't realize that Blue Monday from Orgy is a New Order song. You know, like things yeah. like that. Like these mm. things happen. Um, so yeah, uh, I chose f- I chose six songs. Um, yeah. I did preface that one of them is not on Spotify uh, because it's a song that's literally only on a seven inch comp. Um, so which funny enough because I pulled out that fucking. Uh, which is a
1: pr- pretty like good compilation, like some yeah, right? real heaters on there, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's got uh, here it is. Uh, it's got the weaker than's avail discount and uh, hot water music, pretty stacked. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I don't know which one you want to start with, but um, all of them are silly in their own way. So you just let me know where you want to start. Well, I think so for we're the first start
0: one with uh, Don each Nails, uh, Dead Souls from the Crocean track.
2: Yeah, which I also can we laugh that I reread my email to you and I it makes it seem like I said the band was called the Crow because I wrote that <laughs> at like really late, uh, so I apologize. But yeah, we I, I figured you'd understand what I was saying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in in the early '90s, I'm a or like in the mid '90s, I'm a you know, fucking card carrying, uh, goth kid. So of course I love the Crow and I love Nine Inch Nails. Um, so the Crow soundtrack is stacked. You get stuff like. I think like Henry Rollins and like uh, some double pilots, but it also has like uh, God. It's it's got the Cure on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it has this Nine Inch Nails song called "Dead Souls," which I fucking love, and I'm like super into this song. And then uh, yeah, I start working at a record store later on in my life, and I get really into you know I like my connection to Joy Division is the song "Level Tears Apart." Like I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not knowing all of the all of the songs. So then I realized later on like that, you know, when I'm like 18 years old that, holy shit, Dead Souls is a Joy Division song. And yeah. um, all Nine Inch Nails really did with the song is just kind of make the chorus louder. You know, it's like pretty, yeah. pretty honest to the original. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think that's a pretty good example. I am I'm also excited to hear if you guys have any of these as well. Well, I was, I was
0: talking to Phil, and um, one that got me for like half a day was the new Drain one, the the Descendants, oh, the Descendants song, did. yeah. Everything was there that pointed to me, the artwork, and then <laughs> I read a tweet, <laughs> everything. <laughs> like I don't know how I missed it, but then I saw a tweet, and they were like, oh, it's Bill Stevenson's produced this art, art, original artwork, Descendants tick and I was like oh my god listen to it again because I sent it to a mate and he's like a huge Descendants fan so am I as well it just missed me and um yo that's not I like, mean
2: when you think of Descendants that's not the song you think of it's it's a bit my, of a deep cut
0: yeah and he's like is this from like a cover album or something and I was like what do you mean and he, and then it all clicked and I was really embarrassed <laughs> and Then, uh, but I'm happy they put it out That's that's an awesome one
2: you might have just said something I don't realize. Did Bill Stevenson record the drain cover?
0: I think so. He might have produced it or recorded it, or he got the tick of approval. I'll have to find the yeah. There's a dream tweet about it.
2: That would be a flex, and that'd be super, super cool. Uh, yeah. What about you, Phil? Is there any songs that that uh, you didn't realize recovers?
1: Look, to be honest with you, I've completely blanked, <laughs> and I've been thinking about it all night, oh, going through my, my my records and going through um, just like my my iTunes library. Yeah, I'm sure there are some out there. I think um, there have been times where I've heard a cover that is so different from the original that I haven't picked up that it's a cover. Um, and I think there's one example of, I can't remember who it was, but it was an ac- acoustic rendition of um, A Letter to Elise uh, by The Cure. Mm. Um, Interesting. Letter- yeah, and I, I remember hearing that song and I love The Cure and it just sounded so different that I didn't pick up because the whole tempo and melody changed. Um, but I can't actually think of any songs that I just didn't know. Yeah, what about
2: what about your Australian girl Natalie and Bruglia, the song Torn? That's not yeah. a that's a cover that people don't realize. Yeah. Is that a cover? You no. Know? Well there you go. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a cover. Yeah, that's that's yeah. like the fourth version of that song. There's a one of my favorite podcasts in the world is called Sixty Songs that explain the nineties. Uh, he did a great episode on on that song, and it's like you hear all the different versions of it. It's it's interesting, but yeah, that was like the fourth time someone took a crack yeah. at trying to make that song big, and it just fucking worked. Yeah, <laughs> he did a great wow. job. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you hear, died. yeah, you heard you hear the original, which is from a band called uh, Edna. I think the original is Edna Swap, and um, I mean all the pieces are there. You know, they they didn't do any sort of wild magic to make the Natalie and Brookly one. It was just like. Finally, the right person was singing the song, you know? Yeah. Right place, um, right time. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that was uh, that's the Dead Souls. That's the first one I thought of. Um, and also, I'm going to be excited to hear if people who listen to this don't even realize some of these songs are covers either. So that's another yeah, thing that happens.
0: We're going to play this in another one. So we'll, we'll, put, we'll put Nine Inch Nails on uh, Dead Souls, and then we'll uh, come back and talk about the next track.
4: Maybe it goes away Please rest tomorrow And bring a satisfied day The restless urge of love That's worth the burning for Surely it's that one comforting Brand new tangled web you're spinning Anyone can be a brand new love. Anytime the force can be broken To tear your bitter world to the open Change is normal, gossip dirt, whispered to the nodding head, Frill to fell apart instead of them, but they will Cause any hope for love can be killed. If you need a different face, it's definite time to destroy. It's blood.
1: So at the top there we we had Dead Souls by Nine Inch Nails, and then followed up by Brand New Love by Deadzzy, originally by Sebado.
2: Yep, yep. Uh, this is in in conjunction with me talking about new metal. I guess uh, I don't know mm. if either of you have any sort of relationship or familiarity with the band Deadzzy. Does this does that band mean anything to either of you?
0: only from you spoke to the, the singer, singer. Didn't you, man? Yeah. yeah yeah Only what through, you the, through the episode
2: that was a huge get for me but i know no one else let me tell you <laughs> um, like that's that's like a deep cut a deep cut like new metal band um but i don't even i personally don't really feel comfortable calling them a new metal band because they're more like it's just like heavy orgy you know it's like a heavy yeah. new wavy sort of band it's they're interesting Um, but the singer is Cher's son, which is interesting. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I, so I first heard the band Dead Z because up the street from my house growing up, there was a record store called DB Cooper's, which is a cool record store name. And I would go in there and just open up and read through every used CD they had. And at this point, Kurt Cobain is dead. Corn is my favorite band it's like nine now it's like 1996. So it's been a couple years since Kurt died. I'm really into nine ish nails. I've like embraced like gothy, heavy, whatever, anything kind of dark. Um, So I find the CD called uh, of a band called Dead Z and it has a, f- uh, for promotional use only stamp on it. And I'm Ooh. reading the liner notes and I see that the last track has a song with Jonathan Davis on it. And I was like, mm-hmm. The Jonathan Davis. (laughs) So (laughs) I listened to it and I was like, whoa, this band is so weird. It's like so dark and so weird. Um, And then I come to learn that this CD never got... This album never came out. Like, basically, they made the promos for it and then it got shelved. So this is like a rare CD. On Discogs, it probably... I don't know how expensive it would go for now, but at one point, this was like a $100 CD because it was supposed to come out on Sire. Got shelved. And then then they eventually signed to i believe if i'm remembering the conversation i think they then signed to warner brothers or dreamworks one or the other and then they record they use a lot of the songs from this album that never came out and then re-record and then record a couple new songs and then that album ends up getting shelved so oh, they man. only make promo CDs of that one more time and then it eventually comes out on whatever label it was whether it was dreamworks or warner brothers whatever it was um But anyway, one of the songs that they added was this song, Brand New Love. And it's super hooky. It's like a really, really good fucking heavy, singy, 80s, gothy sort of song. And it was my favorite song on the record. I loved it so much. So, so much. And then it was (laughs) fucking 10 years later, 15 years later. I can't remember what. I was never a big Sebado guy. I've always been familiar with them, specifically because they have a they have one of my least favorite albums album covers of all time, which is a bait a naked baby like next to a toilet or something. It's awful. <laughs> um, and uh, I've always known the singer's name Lou Barlow because uh, he's yeah. like kind of a kind of a famous dude, um, like a f- musician guy. Uh, so I'm gonna make sure that I'm it's it's a it's a it's naked a baby, baby. Reaching,
0: in, reaching into the toilet
2: yeah right it's a terrible yeah. fucking album cover <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's horrible horrible yeah. album cover uh so and i remember one time trying to listen to that album like the, a used copy had come into the record shop and i was like this album cover's been haunting me let me just see if the music's as bad <laughs> as this cover <laughs> and i put it on i was like i'm not really that offended by it it's like fine it's just like kind of you know i think if you're into like modest early modest mouse you can be into this kind of a deal mm-hmm. um yeah. so uh i then realized that this is a cover and like that this is originally a Sebado song. So now I'm like obsessed. And then you listen to the Sebado version of it and you're like, Oh, all of the pieces are here. Like this is just sounds, this sounds like a garage demo from 25 years earlier or something of what the song (laughs) is. Um, and now I have, and uh, interestingly enough, I think it might've originally been released on a split 12 inch with helmet. That's who, that's where it originally came out on. That's cool. Yeah. Right. Uh, but now I have it on like, I have it on two different LPs, the same version. Cause I'm stupid. And, um, <laughs> and it's like two comps. It's like two early comps or something. So, oh, wow. uh, so yeah, that's that song.
1: <laughs> I like it. These are some great stories that have gone with these. And I think, yeah, of, I tried
2: to pick ones that I'd have something to say about.
1: Yeah. And I think listening to the original versions of a lot of these songs, I think you're bang on. Like you can definitely, When you said it's like a demo from twenty five years earlier, you can one hundred percent see that, especially for this one.
2: Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, colouring outside the lines on a lot of these. It's just sort of like adding a little bit of a different like energy to the choruses or whatever else, but they stay pretty true to what the songs are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I listened to Brand New Love, and then I went to listen to the rest, like the start of the Dead Sea album, and I'm like. Okay, this is very different. It's going to take me a little, f- a few goes to get into, I think.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm not talking out of school, uh, yeah, the singer of the hardcore band Into Another, if you're familiar with them, hmm. randomly sings on this Dead album. They were like a rev oh. band. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, like a rev band from 1991. He was also the singer of the hardcore band Underdog but lot, yeah. randomly friends with <laughs> Elijah blue. is very fascinating. I, I, that was one of the first things I wanted to ask him when I started interviewing him. I was like, did you, were you like a hardcore kid? And, uh, he, he talks about like being around crow mags and like shelter and cat. Ha- I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah. As if there's some very fascinating, also I'll say, I was excited to talk to him too because there were stories I knew that he would tell that would be like none other. Like for example, I don't know if you remember this, but when I asked him what his first guitar was, he was he said Gene Gene Simmons gave him his first guitar. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Sure. How many people say that? <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, I was I was pretty excited excited <laughs> to hear that story. I'm just like, oh my god. Because he was like, yeah, Gene Simmons was dating my mom at the time, so he gave me a guitar. I'm like, oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Probably so at his sick. guitar house. He's just got a house for all of his guitars. <laughs> just come just over so, and pick
2: one. Yeah, just so cool. Just so cool. <laughs> uh,
0: what do we got next? Uh, we've got Local H, Smothered in Hugs, which was originally by guided by Voices.
2: Oh, yeah. And let me I'll be the first to tell you, Local H version,
0: better. This is one better. of my
2: favorite
1: songs on this mixtape, yeah, I will say. I agree. This I agree. song
2: is incredible. So uh Local H was a one hit wonder. I don't know if that hit came overseas. They have a song called Bound for the Floor. Um if you're I've never heard of it. Maybe if you heard it. Yeah. Neither. Uh if you get a second, throw on Bound for the Floor. Maybe you'll maybe you'll recognize it. It was a big hit in like the late nineties here in the okay. States. Um I loved it local h was one of my first concerts as a kid and um so i had the k single for one of the singles off of this local h album and the k singles b-side was smothered in hugs so Mm. i fell in love with the song as a kid i loved it so so much um it's just it's so simple. It's it's three chords the whole time. The verse is the chorus. It's just with distortion. It's just mm. very straightforward. He also adds a so a very, very nirvana-y solo. It's just very kind of just follows. It's not there's no frills to it, but the solo is not in the original. And then later in life, I like most fucking white dudes in their forties or th- <laughs> their late thirties get into guided by voices. Um and <laughs> oh no that's me next (laughs) oh yeah if you're not in yet brother you're coming you're coming uh we gotta get you a copy of b1000 um but uh but yeah it's like uh you you hear the original version and it's like you know half the same half the length and it does a weird thing where it like cuts off in the middle of the chorus um to lead into the next song got it by voices they have the biggest discography in the entire world. It's wildly intimidating. Like they put out like three albums a year. It's yeah. wildly intimidating, Write Some of the crispest punks, uh, uh, pop pop punky sort of songs, but like they're all 90 seconds long. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy how prolific this band is. Um, but B thousand, the record that this song is on is like one of the fan favorites. Like there's like three or four you could point to and be like, this is a mandatory listen. Um, so, yeah, I, when I realized it was a cover, my brain was blown. Um, I saw that we played a festival with them, and I happened to walk by at just the right time, right when they started playing the song, and it was like a fucking religious experience me. <laughs> That's so to me. cool. Um, I was like, seriously, just like yelling <laughs> the lyrics by myself. Um, and I want to add that my last concert bef- uh, before everything shut down here in the States was seeing Local H and Soul Asylum uh, here in L.A. Uh, Yeah, that's cool. Again, surrounded by a bunch of uh, white dudes in their 40s and 30s. (laughs) Um, And uh, but they played this song. They played Smothered and Hugs at the show. And I was just like losing my mind. I was so excited. Um, So, yeah, it's uh, it's fucking it's it's a great cover. It's such a great cover. So Local H was a two piece. That's worth noting. They're two-piece oh. band. And the drummer hits so hard. You can hear how hard he is hitting on this acoustic song. Yeah. Listen for that mm. when you play this. I want everyone to listen for that. Listen to how hard the cymbals are being hit during this cover. It's unbelievable.
1: It's just a fun song. It's just easy. It's just, yeah, it's you can put it on in no matter It was just easy when it came on. Because I think in your playlist you sent through was the first track. And from that point, I was uh, like, "Could
2: be." That sounds about right.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was like, "It just feels. It's just." It's uh, cool.
2: Yeah, and it's like a vague song about vampires as well. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. it's super interesting. It's super interesting. Yeah, um,
0: well, let's, what, let's put it on and we'll. Uh, yeah. Listen to the, listen to
1: listen to the drums.
2: Listen to these drums.
0: So at the top, we had Local H smothered in hugs. And after that, we had Far uh, with Chino from Deftones, Savory, which is originally by Jawbox.
2: Yes. So, uh, as I mentioned at the front of this conversation, huge Far fan. Far is like hmm. one of my favorite bands in the entire world. Uh, the through line there is I get really into the Deftones, like everyone does who discovers the Deftones. You know, I got into them when adrenaline was coming out, or had come out. So I was on early with them. And uh, you start learning about the bands that they're friends with, and the people from their hometown. So there, far was another Sacramento band. Uh, they toured together. They did songs together, um, performed songs live together. Like there's a beautiful Be Quiet and Drive acoustic version, uh, or Deftones um, covering Day No Ordinary Love. Um, Jonah from Far basically sings Almost the entirety of both of those. Um, So, anyway, uh, so there's a far EP um, called Soon that has four songs on it, and this is on it, but it also appears on like a Deftones B-sides record. So, they both kind of claim ownership of this cover because I think it's like it's not even just Chino, I think it's like Chino and Uh. Chino and maybe Abe or chino and stefan is maybe playing mm-hmm, so it's like okay. it's definitely it's a mix of both bands it's not just the vocalists mm-hmm. um but i love this song so much and it is pretty straightforward to cover like if you listen to the original you're like not a lot of difference going on here at all yeah. um but yeah i didn't realize it was a cover um jonah the singer of far went on to like do versions of this with his solo project which is called one line drawing so this song kind of like stayed within these bands lives for a long time um but yeah like you know you start to discover other deeper stuff or whatever and um i was always i was always a jawbreaker guy and because of that i think i just like didn't pay attention to jaw box even though they sound nothing mm. alike yeah, <laughs> so- <laughs> not even <connected>, <laughs> no the only the only connection we can f- that there is is that the singer of jaw boxes is, is uh jay robbins who's a producer who oh. did record uh a jaw box or uh, sorry no wait right. no 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 never mind never mind uh wait did jay robbins do a jawbreaker record hold on i don't think so sure. i don't think so um but there's a funny story. That's right. This is what I'm thinking of. Steve Albini did a Jawbreaker record. And Steve Albini is quoted saying he thought he was about to record <gasps> Jawbox. <laughs> and he didn't know. He, he ended up with the wrong band. Oh, that's, wow. That's the story I was thinking of. Um, <laughs> okay. Oh, that. Yeah. That's... But like, but like Jay Robbins recorded like the Texas is the Reason album. Um, he's also recorded like a Modern Life is War record. He recorded Pianos Become the Teeth stuff. Like this, the song on the, on the, um. Touche piano split. Uh, that was recorded by Jay Robbins. Uh, oh, their wow. song um, oh, yeah. "Hiding." Uh, so anyway, legendary dude. The band was on Discord, so that's legendary in and of itself. Um, yeah. And is this my favorite Jawbox song? Absolutely. Does it sound like other Jawbox songs? Absolutely not. This song is a departure <laughs> from Jawbox songs, which is interesting because I think it's track one on the record that it's on. Um, I could be wrong. I think it's track one,
0: but track two. But, track yeah, two the front, yeah.
2: yeah, pretty close. Close enough. Yeah, very close. Uh, I just I, had to
0: look it up. I didn't know. Yeah. Do,
2: do I own that Jawbox album on vinyl for that one song? You bet your ass I do. That's the only reason I have that record. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but this far, the Far Deftones cover, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, both their vocals together. I could just take a warm bath in that. That's fine. You know?
0: Yeah, that was the that was the song that hit me um uh the quickest. Like I was just like, Oh, because as we listened yeah. through a few times last night and this morning, I was like, Oh, this this far cover is is like is awesome. Great track. And, Um yeah, it's such a good track.
2: Just the I mean, just the dissonant chord and the ba na na, and like the way it just like the drums the, the drum fill when the whole thing comes in and drops into it, it's just like it's such a... It's a fucking great song. It's a great song.
1: And you're going through your... You're just kind of re-emerging back into your Deftones era, aren't you, Dave?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I kind of... I didn't really get them, and then, like, I had some friends talk about them, and then, I don't know what happened. One night, I was like... It was a Saturday night. Like, I just... Maybe I'll just put some Deftones on. <laughs> and a friend made a playlist. It was called Deftones for the Uninitiated. And so <laughs> great I... Great Like... <laughs> Can you like, tell me?
2: Can you tell me what's on that playlist? I'm so curious. Uh, yeah, uh, let me find it. It's got a good mix, I think. I'm um, curious if there's one album it's like heavy on. I'm assuming there's a lot of white pony on it.
0: Uh, it's like six or eight songs, so it's not many. Okay. Um, okay, so there's digital bath.
2: Oh, an opening track yeah <laughs> that is these let me tell you something right now as, as you you two gentlemen are not people that are in bands i'm gonna tell you this right now that is a sound guy person engineers go-to song for checking the pa The oh, i don't really? care what tour you're on as yeah. soon as the sound person shows up he's cranking digital bath and i'll tell you why that's a fucking perfect sounding song that song sounds yeah. incredible like It's just—it's so funny. I don't care what that. I don't care if this person is Taylor Swift sound person or if this person is fucking Megadeth sound person. That person is playing Digital Bath through the goddamn PA. Okay, sorry. So go go ahead, go Um, ahead. Digital Bath. So
0: then Diamond Eyes. Okay. Sex Tape. My own summer. Shove it, and then Swerve City. Okay. uh, Rocket Skates. Okay. Elite. Seven Words, Poltergeist, and then Passenger.
2: I can stand behind this. Uh, yeah, like, it's more later era stuff than I probably would have done, but that's just because I'm old and have a huge relationship to the first three records. But yeah. that is a pretty solid, like, great songs off many of those records. There's a mm. few. I, I would add one or two if I was to do that from, like, a couple other records, but... Um, I think that's a great starting point for sure. Yeah. yeah, but you you felt it you it was connecting.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then I went to uh went straight into around the fur after that. So I went and listened to that, and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm feeling this now. I don't know. I'd never really got introduced to it because I was more of a punk side of things. Totally. And, and like, there's so much music out there, and I'm not sure if they actually hit that much over here until probably late 2000s. Later. I was yeah, I was screamer kid and metal uh, if you
2: haven't done the deep if you haven't done the deep dive on white pony yet that's where you gotta go cause that's, okay. that's the fan favorite across the board and there's a reason mm-hmm. for it it's just it's a mm-hmm. fucking fantastic record
0: that's the next one on the list
2: yeah, yeah.
1: cool well moving into the next track um, which Dave I know is a bit of a favorite for you so I'll let you introduce this one <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, so um, it's praise. Uh, keep hanging on. Yeah, and I I wanted to keep this in because I I love the interaction that you had on the pod in relation <laughs> Where to Where I embarrassed
2: song. my ass. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's like it's a bit of a deep cut as well. I think if you're a Huskadoo fan, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's late in one of those new albums.
2: <laughs> I felt I felt uh, justified. Like, I was still embarrassed because I literally have that record. I've had it's all I have that record, right? It's I have I have that goddamn Who's Could Do record (laughs) and to and to like just go to so for listeners who are like, what the fuck are these people talking about? So, uh, the the band praise, they have a new record, uh, came out or it came out last year, and the last track on it is a song called Keep Hanging On. And that was the song that stood out to me the most. Like, I listened to the entire record and it got to that last song, and I was like, I am fucking in love with the song and I played it on repeat like four times in a row I was like oh my god this is so hooky it's got you like Andy's voice in it there's such vulnerability in when he sang uh the keep hanging on over and over I'm like I love this song. So I get Andy on my podcast to interview him. This is our first time really having a conversation. So this part comes up in the podcast where I start just, like, gushing to him about how much I love this song. And he was like, well, I can't take a lot of credit. That's a cover.
0: He handled it really well, actually. <laughs> he he let you down gently.
2: <laughs> he did. And I was like, I was like, wait, of who? And then he said it's a Husker Du cover. And now I'm like, I am a huge poser. I was like, what? What are you talking about? What? And I start panicking. I'm like, I like Who's Kudoo, but what record is it from? And he tells me, and then then it comes to light also that it's not one of the songs that Bob Mold sings, which is like he's the main Ooh. person that people connect with with Who's Kudoo as the singer. So it's one of the ones that the other guy sings. So I'm like, I'm giving myself a little leeway here on like maybe not really connecting to this song, and also it's off of a record that I don't listen to as much as the other ones. You know, I when it when I comes to Who's Kudoo, I'm mostly a warehouse songs and candy apple gray guy or like the early early stuff which is more aggressive um so like the new day rising flip your wig like those records i don't listen to as often so anyway this is me trying to you see me trying to make excuses for my for my embarrassment um <laughs> anyway so it's a cover and i'm gonna say it Praises version it's better it's yeah, better
0: i like it more. Yeah, it's just a bit more like upbeat, but you hear the vulnerability that you spoke about earlier, and I just I love praise uh, more yeah. than I do Husker <laughs> sorry. so um, fair. <laughs> I just um, yeah I was hooked as soon as I, I think you played them on a, a radio hour or something, and I was like, what is this band? And then yeah, just had to had to get their back catalog, and then the new album came out, and
2: and they're a band that just continues to get better. Like, I, I when they first came out, I didn't connect with it as much because it's more kind of just kind of like straightforward melodic hardcore. And that's cool. I'm into that. Um, but these last two releases, the EP before this and this one are just like way more embracing the like Rites of Spring sort of DC hardcore stuff, which is like directly up my alley. So, yeah, yeah, I love what they're doing.
0: Cool. Well, let's uh, put it on, and we've got uh, one more, one more song after these ones.
3: Driven. There's no need to taunt, just take what you want, and we'll make amends if we're living. But away from the crowds, the flames told the town that only the dead are forgiven, and they vanished inside the ringing of revolution. And closer come the ringing of revolution.
1: So, at the top there, we played Keep Hanging On by Praise. Followed by Ringing of Revolution by The Weaker Thens, originally by Phil Oaks. Oaks. Oaks, yep. Yeah. yeah,
2: sorry, I figured that would almost become a, yeah, I should have should have prepped you on that one. I'm not going to lie, I did, last name.
1: I, did, um, I did Google how to say it last night, and it took me to YouTube, but then it was just like an AI saying it, and I didn't know if that was right.
2: Oh, <laughs> how funny.
1: Um, oh. This is a cool one, yeah, talk about this one. Mm.
2: So, this was my introduction to Phil Oaks, who mm. has become, had in, pretty quickly in my life became an obsession once I realized it was a cover, to the point where, like, I have a fucking Phil Oaks portrait oh, tattoo on so my cool. arm. I am a big big Phil Oaks guy. Um, so, I got this comp because the Weaker Thans are in my top three favorite bands of all time. I mm. love... The Weaker Um, uh, You don't, you never meet casual Weaker Thans fans. <laughs> if you're a Weaker than fan, you live and die by the Weaker Thans. I don't know if either of you ever had any time with them. Um,
0: no, I haven't. A little bit.
4: Yeah, the, the, not much, the, though.
2: The singer was originally in Propagandi. He was the original member of Propagandi. Oh. And you can hear, like, he has a couple songs on the first couple records, and you're just like, what the fuck is this guy doing in this band? Like when the songs <laughs> that he sings just sound like weaker than songs, you're like, what? why is he in this band? What's <laughs> What's happening? So he finally leaves, starts the weaker thens, and lyrically one of the most gifted, gifted lyricists of all time. Right. So yeah. they're a band that I'm like, I need everything from this, from this band, anything they've ever recorded. I need to have in my life. So this comp randomly comes out. I see it. I think I'm working out of the record store at the time. And I saw it in the order catalog for coming out. And just like a comp that features a weaker than song. So I buy it. And there's no real... I'm holding it in my hand for listeners. I don't think that there's anything that says anything about... Oh, probably here it does. Let me see. Nope. This is just the thing to order more records. There is no (laughs) liner notes saying that this is a cover. Ah, So, hmm. so uh, I have no. Yep. Yep. Nope. I'm, I'm scot free on this one. This was not my (laughs) fault. Uh, (laughs) So I just love the song. Like I just, it's, it's, it's an interesting rhythm to it the whole time. There's a lot of lyrics. Like it's just, it's, you know what it is? It's one of these songs that you can hear a hundred times And kind of feel like you start to know the lyrics to it. But you're like, I don't know what he's saying at all. Like, it's just there's so much happening. And he doesn't really repeat any of the same lyrics. Um, But it's super memorable. Super, super memorable. Um, So, I can't... I wish I could tell you the exact moment that I remember realizing it's a cover. um, But it was... (sighs) Ah, I wish I could specifically remember. But when it all came together... He, Phil Oaks has an, wh- if anyone was curious where to start with Phil Oaks, I always direct them to a live album called In Concert, which has Ringing, uh, ringing of Revolution on it, and that's like the best recorded version of it, um, mm. and this uh, is an unbelievable live album. It is an unbelievable live album. Um, there's a song towards the end called Love Me, I'm a Liberal, which is pretty comical it's like there's a like good sense of humor to it and uh yeah. kevin devine i don't know if you're familiar with who kevin devine is singer songwriter mm-hmm. uh he mm-hmm. on an ep uh covered uh love me i'm a liberal but like changed the lyrics to be more an updated version of it which is which oh, super yeah. cool um <laughs> yeah. but uh but yeah a uh, huge phil Oaks guy i mean he famously was best friends with bob dylan Uh, They lived together, I believe, in Greenwich Village in the 60s during the protest singer era and were friendly competitors, right? And there's a famous story of Bob Dylan throwing Phil Oakes out of a moving car because he (laughs) criticized his song when he had, like, gone electric. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, And Phil Oakes had his heart broken by bob dylan when he basically was like told him like you need to figure out how to write songs that aren't protest songs you know he was mm-hmm. like he's like you need to be able to like look in yourself and like express yourself and like how you're feeling and not just rely on you know basically what's happening in the news to write lyrics uh and that's kind of where their divide happened because bob dylan was able to do both so beautifully yeah. um and Phil Oaks was incapable. And then he felt like he was less than. Um, and yeah. around that same... Or, like, over time... It became very aware that Phil Oaks had schizophrenia. Um, and, sadly, ended up taking his own life. Uh, over, like... When it had gotten really, really bad. Uh, like, he... Was known for like basically walking around with like a weapon at all times because he thought that he was gonna like he thought like the CIA was after him. It did come out after he had passed mm. away that like he he was being tracked because of the oh. amount of protest stuff that he was a part of. Um, yeah. It's a really mm, fast. There's wow. a really beautiful documentary that they made about him. Um, probably at this point, like ten years ago, uh, that I would that would point people to if they're interested in this story. He's a fucking fascinating, fascinating songwriter, but just you know never. He was, he was just never really made it. Like they interview people from Electra records, which is like the big major label he's a part of. Yeah. And everybody in Electra is basically like, we all championed having Phil Oaks on our roster, knowing he would not sell any records. Like, yeah. like we oh, yeah. just loved knowing he was a part of our team, but like this man did not make, Yeah, he wasn't successful, you know? And he had a great sense of humor about it. Like, um, there's a famous, uh, elvis album album called like it says like what is it like five million uh elvis fans can't be wrong what is it can't can't be wrong how many uh 50 yeah 50 million elvis fans can't be wrong and it's like him in a gold suit and it's like this really ridiculous thing uh (laughs) i mean it's sorry i apologize i gotta show you this yeah that's that's right It's so funny yeah his greatest hits album it's like him making it's like um. him doing the same thing right the back, the back says 50 phil oaks fans can't be wrong that's so like, good like the fact that he's so the fact that he's so self-aware about this yeah. is like it's just so cool like what an unbelievably sick person um yeah huge fan like just the whole lore about him is super interesting. my other band, Hesitation Wounds, we did a uh the first seven inch we did it was on Secret Voice. Uh, the second song is called P. Oaks and it's me just basically telling Phil Oaks' entire life story uh-huh. in that song, which is <laughs> which is either me trying to pay tribute or being creatively bankrupt. I'm not quite sure what that is, but <laughs> it happened.
1: I think when you said so, this yeah. um when you sent those songs through and and you were saying that it was on um, on YouTube, not on Spotify. I think listening to the song, it's a great song, and listening to the original, I feel like we had to include it because it is probably the biggest departure from the original um, compared to any of the other songs on here. Am I breaking up again?
2: <laughs> you were for a sec, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, to say no. that every time.
1: <laughs> I felt like this song on the uh, on the mixtape is probably the biggest departure from the original.
0: Yeah, the Weeknd's yes. cover.
1: Um, yes. And so I just really wanted to include it for that because I thought it was so, yeah, unique and different to what the original was.
3: Um,
2: Yeah, I mean, and Philox has such, like, an operatic, uh, this, like, boisterous, like, operatic voice that you could tell is just filling this entire theater. Whereas um, John K. Sampson, who I've already done a good job of, I think, explaining how much this man means to me, he sings (laughs) straight out of his nose. You know what I'm saying? It's like a very nasally voice. Mm. So I think that they're over, they get to overcompensate a little bit by having just like a really like jangly sort of like fun drumbeat version of this song, which is what we get on this uh, Weaker than's cover. Yeah, great. No,
0: it's a, a great list. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the, the Weaker Lens cover as well. I think, yeah, it's just, as you said, Phil, it's just that it's good to see... a a departure so that they add a few things and um make a few few changes and stuff like that and really shows a good tribute to to kind of the the band as well or to phil in this case yeah you
2: know something i was just thinking about is like uh with with uh propaganda being such a political band and then yeah. me saying that John K. Samson, you're like, why are you in this band? It's like you're writing these love songs in the middle of these Propagandi records. But then you're like, oh, that's why he was in Propagandi Because he was—he clearly has this love and devotion for this protest singer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, the pieces do mm. fit.
0: Yeah, they do.
1: Uh, is the documentary just, I've just been looking it up in the background. Is it the There But For Fortune? Is that sound right?
2: Please say that one more time. I'm so sorry.
1: Was the documentary there but for Fortune? Yes, that that's the documentary.
2: Right? Yeah, thank you. Thank All you right. for pointing that out. Yeah, I was trying to think of the name of it and I was scrambling been, to Google. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch that. That sounds super interesting. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's cool. Like Sean Penn is randomly in it. Sean Penn is a oh, big wow. fan and he talks about him a lot a lot. Yeah, oh, it's wow. cool. Yeah. Cool. I know like oh, Connor Roeburst from bright eyes is like a huge Phil Oaks guy. Like when you find it's one of those things where it's like when you hear him get referenced and stuff, I'm just like, yes, like I know there was a, I think it was, I think either Phil Oaks talked about Leonard Cohen or Leonard Cohen talked about Phil Oaks in some interview. And I was just like on the edge <laughs> of my seat, like, what are they going to say about each other? Oh, and what, it was one of the other ones calling each other brilliant, which is just the coolest thing. That's oh, all sure. I want. That's all I want. There's just a, I was just, I just posted it in my stories today, but there's this really long interview with uh, Courtney Love talking about Nirvana uh, on the same podcast I referenced earlier that 60 Songs that Explain the 90s. And uh, in it, she talks about going to a, a, a record store in, I think it was Scotland, and buying a Leonard Cohen poetry lyric book and then showing it to Kurt Cobain and being like, You got work to do, buddy. Which is
3: just like, oh, wow, Jesus! S- but, like, s- but like, s-
2: like <laughs> s- so, like that's just inject that right into my arm. Like that story just d- injected right into me. I'm like, that's everything I want in the world just to hear that story. So yeah. cool, so cool.
1: <laughs> that is like, I can imagine. well,
2: um, yeah.
0: Oh, I bet there's so many of those stories around that we may never hear, unfortunately.
2: Yeah yeah I live for him whenever I mean I just had a—I just got to interview Walter Schreifels of Quicksand and Rival Schools mm-hmm. and Gorilla Biscuits and just upon the conversation talks about when Quicksand was on tour with Rage Against the Machine and then got to go and then the all, both bands went together to go watch Nirvana I'm like what well. <laughs> what <laughs> and he's like they weren't that good <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm paraphrasing. He he says he got to see them twice, and he says the first time he thought they were the fucking most incredible thing, and then the second time he didn't yeah. like it as much. But um it just made me laugh. I'm like, what a legendary moment. Just that like the ima- imagine Zach De La Roca like watching Nirvana shortly before Kurt passes. I'm just like, holy yeah. shit, this story is blowing my mind. And imagine being I, at that um, show and really you see cool them walk podcast in. it's <laughs> oh my god.
0: There's a um a really cool podcast about uh, an Australian festival called Big Day Out. I'm not sure if you've I'm familiar with it, familiar. yeah. Uh, so, not
2: the podcast but the festival.
0: Um so Nirvana I think played the first one and it was supposed to be like just like a few bands and then it grew into like 30 bands and there's lots of cool stories about how that kind of unfolded and it kind of exploded the Australian music scene mm. just because of Nirvana being there. It's, it's really that cool. makes sense
2: yeah 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 that's and that festival still happens right like it happens every year no um when did it stop mate, <laughs> so. yeah i was gonna say
0: <laughs> dave you can you can handle this one <laughs> aj matter bought it yeah <laughs> yeah <AJ signed laughs> yep. i think they just in like shout out 13. that guy yeah yeah, he uh, ruined a few a few of those, unfortunately. So he owns owns the rights to that. But I saw Rage at Big Day Out in two thousand and nine.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 AJ is the reason we almost had our passports taken from us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a guy. He's uh, he's no longer relevant in the city. Yeah. And
2: Not passports. Scene. Sorry, our visas taken from us. So he might he he threatened to fuck up our visas because we played a bookstore to thirty people. How dare you. <laughs> how dare How dare us play a bookstore that he didn't book. Yeah. He least. might actually be
1: the most disliked man in Australian music like yeah. I <laughs> Like he comes up and it's just anyways.
2: That's got to be that's at some point you got to wear that as a badge of honor, you know? At yeah. some point you got to yeah. own that and be like, yeah. I'm the, fucking, I'm the goddamn joker.
0: Ugh. He's yeah, he's sitting in the shadows waiting to waiting for his comeback.
2: Yeah hey you know anyone can do it i guess that's fine um yeah i appreciate you having me on for this this is this yeah. is uh, a lot of fun was there anything else you guys wanted to cover before we uh hop off uh that's pretty much it uh
0: is there anything that you want to plug before before we hop off
2: if anyone in australia plans on going to europe we're uh <laughs> we're <fucking laughs> about to play there for five five and a half weeks uh but other than that no i'm i'm coming up on uh 150 episodes of my show um, I have them all recorded at this point so I got some good ones coming up I'm excited about um other than that yeah I think that's it I don't really have much much else going on you already taught you were nice enough to bring up the balladeers redefined comp so uh, yeah that's that's about the most of what I have to pitch
0: awesome. we're, we're both jealous you get to see chalk hands play every night. Yeah, we As we well. we love chalk hands.
2: Oh, that band's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see them play. I'm excited to see Boneflower play. I don't know if you've yeah. listened to that band, Boneflower, but Jesus Christ, that band's so good. Yeah,
0: yeah. some yeah, some great uh, some great up and coming bands uh, we see you guys uh, bringing up. So I check out most of this. I'll, I'll try and check out all the supports that you guys put on because I feel like we're in the same. <laughs> same uh listening realm so uh yeah it's it's always cool to find new stuff
2: hell yeah awesome awesome awesome
0: well thanks
1: so much for coming on we really appreciate it like this has been a great chat sorry i sorry I, I cut out for a minute there but um
0: yeah appreciate it
2: no problem at all no problem at all thanks for having me awesome.
0: thanks jeremy. Right. See you, jeremy see you I'll speak bye. to you soon bye Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. That was one of the most epic chats we've had here. And as we said at the top top of the episode, it's um, a huge milestone for us. And, yeah, we're glad that uh, we could share it with you guys, with everyone who's listened so far.
1: Absolutely. So fun. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for your time on this one, just being just an all round legend, I think, as well. We really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys listened that listen did enjoy it as well because we have a bit more like this coming up uh, soon. So, more big things coming, I guess. Watch your space.
0: Yeah, watch your space. Um, we'd really love it if you guys could uh, leave us rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, it really helps the yep. show a lot. Uh, we actually jumped up like 81 spots last week. That's uh, so Yeah, so. We're seeing I didn't know about, about that. <laughs> yeah, I kept that for this.
1: How, how, do you, how do you check that? Actually, that's an off the, off the pod question.
0: <laughs> you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at press.com.pod on both platforms. We're going to kind of change the, the social media stuff up as well with the year two, year two theme. But um, yeah, check out for that. We'll have updates and some interaction from, from the listeners, hopefully.
1: Um, along with that, we've obviously had the press conference society, Facebook group for, for a while now it's almost become my personal Twitter account. Uh, but if you do want to hear, see me get a little bit unhinged on a Saturday night after I've had a few beers join that, uh, we'll be, we'll be interacting more there just with future episodes, uh, news happening around the pod and things like that. I would really love your input there. So yeah, the press conference society on Facebook. Uh, and as always, we just love the conversations generated by these topics and by the playlist and the mixtapes. So, yeah, reach out to, to Dave or myself separately, reach out to the pod, reach out to other friends and, like, rag on us if you want, and they can give us the feedback, like, yeah, do what you yeah. want. We just love hearing about what you think.
0: Yeah. And send us some more uh, F- uh, Fast and Furious memes, so that's going to be a bit of a, a thing going forward, <laughs> that I was, I
1: think that was pretty funny. I mean, I really like the Fast Five um, segment that we've introduced, and the memes are just, they're coming through at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, like all memes, they will die. So we'll see how we go. But uh, yeah, for the meantime, you know, family, send it through.
0: All right. We'll see you guys next time. No, wait. I want to plug one more thing. Oh, plug one more thing.
1: I actually just want to replug everything we spoke about with Jeremy uh, before we leave. We'll leave links in the bio and on our Instagram for uh, The Balladeers Redefined out on Secret Voice Records. We'll leave a link for those physicals uh, there. We'll also leave links to the first ever pod a uh, podcast that Jeremy runs and we'll also leave links to the, his bands as well. So um, yeah, as much as we love you to support us, we obviously want you to support him as well. Not that we're going to convince you of that,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
1: um, he's pretty, pretty great man. But yeah, go check that out. Um, sorry. I've kind of held us up Dave. but
0: All good. yeah. Check out the links in the description below and um, we'll catch you on the next one.
1: See you then.